Uh, be sure to sign that card uh, on our way out uh, this morning. I think if I had only one day in a city, I think I would probably sign up for one of those open-top tour buses. Anyone ever been on one of those open-top tour buses, like New York City or some place like that, you know, like... Um, you know, like Tickfall, someplace that you want to go around and you want to see all the sights and scenes, you know, Washington, D.C., all the same kind of places, uh, that, that you kind of want to see all of those places. You take that open-top bus and someone kind of gives you, this is important over here, take a look at this and, and make sure you see this over here and you do this. So basically, if someone tells you or asks you, have you, have you ever been to New York City, have you ever been to Washington, D.C., and they'll ask you the list of places, like, oh yeah, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that. I think it's a great way to see a city. And in fact, it's kind of the way that we handle the text on a Sunday morning sometimes. That what I want to do is I kind of want to be that tour guide and what I want to do is I want to drive us into that text and I want us to be able to see, I want you to notice this over here and did you see this over here? And I want you to make sure that you can see this piece over here so that you know that text and understand that text. But sometimes we need to park the bus and we need to wander around a little bit. Uh, and so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to park the bus and we're going to wander around a little bit. And we're going to park the bus on the corner of John chapter 16 and verse 7. The corner of John 16, verse 7. And what are you talking about? Uh, because in this verse, Jesus says to his disciples, It is to your advantage that I leave. It is to your advantage that I leave. When Jesus says that to the disciples, they had to kind of clutch their hearts and say, what, what are you talking about? You have convinced us that we should follow you and that wherever you go, we should follow you. And we have, we have bet our entire lives on you. And you're leaving? Hey, you're telling us that not only are you leaving, but you are telling us that it's better, it's to our advantage, that this is good news for us. It's like someone coming up to you and saying, it is good news that your house got flooded. It is to your advantage that you got fired. It is to your advantage that you have this disease. That's the most ridiculous thing that someone could say to you. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. Now how on earth... Can that be true in terms of what Jesus is saying? Here's the good news. Here's the good news. That the resurrection unlocks unimagined fellowship with God. And that's what Jesus was telling the disciples, even though they couldn't see it at the moment, even though they couldn't understand it at that moment, that because Jesus is alive today for real, it is going to unlock unimagined fellowship with God. And that was true for the disciples and my friends, my friends, my friends. It is true for you and I today. Now how can that be true for the disciples? How can that be true for us? How can that absence of the physical presence of Jesus be to their benefit and to our benefit? Let's unpack this for a few minutes. How do we understand this? How can this be explained? Well, we have to back up a little bit and see the larger picture. The first thing that we have to understand is that we have to understand the vastness of God's 
nature. The vastness, the largeness, the immensity of God's nature. Here is what you need to understand completely this morning. God is one. He tells us that. He reveals that truth to us. He says that God is one. And he tells us that God is three. He tells us that God is revealed as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each one is eternal. Each one is active. Each one is distinct. Each one is fully God. There is evidence for the presence, the activity, the deity, the fullness of each one of these parts of God before creation, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and today. Now, that's a really big thing to understand. And in fact, really, really smart people have been trying to wrestle with this. And as I tell people often, if someone ever explains this to you in three sentences, run away. <laughs> they, they have missed something really, really important. In our discipleship series on Wednesday evenings, we're talking about four doctrines that every believer must understand. And this coming Wednesday, we're going to be talking about this trinity. That's the topic for this coming Wednesday. But I'm going to tell you that if we're going to understand what Jesus says, it is to your benefit that I leave to understand that we have to step back and see this picture of the vastness of the nature of God. He is one. He is three. He is the Father, He is the Son, He is the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them is active. Every single one of them is eternal. Every single one of them is distinct. Every single one of them is unified, is to one person. It is the vastness of God's nature that is the backdrop to the truth of what Jesus is telling them. Secondly, we also need to see the mystery of God's timing. The mystery of God's timing. To be honest, there's, there's a great deal of what God does that we could consider to be mystery. But, but there is a mystery to God's timing. What I want you to see here is that God reveals himself to us differently in history. God reveals himself to us differently in history. What we find, particularly in the Old Testament, is that we find a God who is revealed as a God of some distance. A God of some distance. Now, to be honest, there's nothing that's really surprising about that. Hey, it's part of the nature of being God, that he is completely other. That's part of the definition of what God is. There's me, and then there's God. He is distant from me. He is larger than me. He is distinct from me. He is more powerful than me. I have nothing in common with him other than in his wonder. He made me slightly in his image. But there is a God of some distance. It is what you would expect from deity. But I want you to notice that even as we look in this Old Testament time period, when God is revealed as a God of some distance, I want you to see that he is a God that is fully engaged. He is a God who is fully involved. This God, even though we see him at some degree of distance, he speaks, he rescues 
He appears in dreams. He gives miracles. He listens to our prayers. He gives direction. He gives incredibly detailed directions. He provides provisions. He shows up. But probably the greatest symbol of this presence of God is when he is leading the Israelites in the wilderness to the pillar of fire and the cloud. And it is in that distance but presence, that engagement, that speaking down to the people, that leading the people, that giving direction. But it is still like when God is on Mount Sinai and you see the cloud, you hear the rumble, you hear the roar. But it's a God of distance, fully engaged, fully involved, but of some distance. And then God reveals himself. Are you ready for this? God reveals himself as God in the flesh. This God of creation, this God of the fire, this God of the pillar, this God of the cloud, this God of the thunder and the roar, this God becomes flesh and dwells among us. It is unbelievable. God becomes man. And this man that walked the dusty roads of Palestine, this man that would eat with his disciples, this man that that grew up and did all the things that all of the people around him were doing in a day-to-day activity, that man was God. God in the flesh. God becomes man. This man is God. And it is for the purpose of dying for us. You see, it's at this moment that the disciples are beginning, beginning to see the wonder of who Jesus is. It is at this moment that they are beginning to say, thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of God, that they are beginning to understand this Jesus is God. And then Jesus says, I got to go. Now, they don't understand all the things. They, they don't. Jesus has been telling them about his death. Jesus has been telling them about the resurrection, but they still don't get it. But what they do get is this Jesus who's standing right here in front of us. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And they have just set their hearts on him. And Jesus says, I got to go. But it's good news for you. Man, the disciples are struggling. They have just launched their lives, their affections, their hopes, everything on the presence of Jesus being right here, physically right there in front of them because he is God. It's amazing. God in the flesh. And he says, I got to go. But here is what Jesus is telling them. That not only do we experience God at a distance, and then we experience God in the flesh. (laughs) But hear this. We also experience God in the believer. 
we experience God in the believer. In fact, if God in the flesh is mind-blowing like a stick of dynamite between the ears, this is mind-blowing like a nuclear bomb between the ears. That God, from the distance, from the creation, from the cloud, from the fire, he became flesh and he dwelt among us and you could touch him and you can be with him and you can be around him and you can watch his miracles and he can feed you and all of those things right there. You could touch him. But that touching, that experience was only going to be for that generation in that location, for that lifetime. And even if he fed five, 10, 12,000 people, not everybody gets to be up close. Not everybody gets to touch him. But Jesus says, when I leave, God, me, I'm going to come and live inside of you as the believer so that wherever you go, I will be with you. To the ends of the earth, I will be with you. And so that when you die and your children become believers in me, then I will be with them all the way to the ends of the earth, all the way across time until this very moment, every believer can have the same God who was the God of the distance, the God in the flesh, is now the God inside of the believer. How amazing is that. And so Jesus says to his disciples, it is for your advantage that I leave because it will not be just when Jesus is in the neighborhood. It is going to be Jesus inside your very soul. But this could not happen until Jesus defeated death through his death and resurrection. You see, we talk about the mystery of God's timing. Why, why is he God of a distance? Why is he God in the flesh? Why is he God in the believer? Because there is a work that he is doing that begins on the front pages of Scripture that goes all the way to the back pages of Scripture. And he had to reveal his character. And then he revealed his presence and did his work. And he defeated sin. So that now your life became a receptacle that God himself could come and dwell inside of. That's because Jesus is alive today for real. I also want you to see the encouragement of God's indwelling work. The encouragement of God's indwelling work. This is the chapters that we read at the beginning of the service or earlier before I got up here to preach all of John 14, all of John 16. We could spend weeks and months unpacking those truths. But what I want you to do this morning is I want to just give you that overview of this is what the Spirit of God does. On the next slide here, we begin to just take a look at this. The Holy Spirit, 
what happens after Jesus leaves, after he is resurrected, after he is ascended, is that God's presence is with us forever. What we find out is that God's presence is from the inside of us, not because you come close to something that reminds you of God, but because God himself lives within you. It is an experience that is unique to believers. As much as God's presence can be seen in this world, only a believer who has had their sins forgiven, only a believer can experience Jesus' spirit living inside of us. It reveals incredible intimacy with God. I want you to go back to John chapter 14, and I want you to see John 14 verse 20. Listen to this verse. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and that you are in me, and I am in you. Man, chew on that for a little bit today. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. I am in you. You are in me. We also see that the Holy Spirit in our life gives us peace. Not like the world gives peace, but peace that only comes from God. Shalom that comes from God. He shows us the path in John chapter 16, verse 8. He talks about how he is going to reveal righteousness. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. Righteousness is what it means to the rightness of God looks like. And what he says is, listen, now you have been watching me to know what the rightness of God looks like. He says, but I'm leaving So how will you know what the rightness of God looks like? The Spirit of God, God himself, will live inside of you, and he will show you what the rightness of God looks like. He will show you what the path for our lives is supposed to look like. He will reveal God. And then I love here, In John chapter 16 and verse 12, he says, man, I didn't tell you these things earlier because you weren't ready for them. I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you can see it. But there are so many more things that you do not yet know. But the Spirit, when he comes, he will remind you of the things that I have taught you. He will explain things to you that you are still trying to understand, and he will continue to reveal to you the truth of God. Isn't that an encouragement for our lives? Sometimes you may pick up your Bible and say, man, I'm lost here. Man, I don't understand this. I don't remember all the things from sermons that were preached 28 years ago in my life. I I don't remember all of these things. Jesus tells us the Spirit of God is going to bring those things to your mind. The Spirit of God is going to reveal these things to you. The Spirit of God is going to teach you. It's part of the reason why we make this the central experience in the life of our church is the teaching of the Word of God. Because the Spirit of God inspired these words and the Spirit of God is alive inside of you, believer, helping you understand and experience and live out these words. He fills in the gaps of the things that we do not understand, the things that we do not remember, the things that we do not know. The Spirit of God lives inside of us to do this work. And all of that is possible because Jesus is alive today for real. 
For real, for real, for real, he is resurrected and alive today. So let's take a moment and try to think about what this means for how we're supposed to live differently. One of the things that I want you to notice that when you look at John chapter 14, when you look at John chapter 16, he intertwines all of these words. He says, so that you can obey my commandments. You will know me when you obey. There is a connectedness that part of what the Spirit of God, in large measure what the Spirit of God wants to do inside of your life, is to wants to make you more obedient to him. But, but I also want to just kind of think this through. Have you ever been around a spoiled kid? Not your kids, someone else's kids. And they've been surrounded with all kinds of playthings. They've been surrounded with everything that they could ever imagine and ask for. But somehow there's a commercial on TV, there's another kid, there's a, something pops up on the internet and say, I want that, I want that, I want that. And sometimes they can even say, well, I never have anything. And what you want to say to them is, do you even know what you have? Do you even know what you have? <laughs> There's a guy in England, several of them, but I'm thinking of one guy. And I don't know whether to call him a poor guy or not. But because the truth is, he has a, um, a flash drive that, uh, that he threw away. And he can't find it. You know, sometimes we have flash drives. They got some pictures on it. They got some documents. They got some things we want to do. And we would like to find them. Well, on this guy's flash drive, he had what they, they call Bitcoin. And on this flash drive, he had a couple of Bitcoin. And by a couple of Bitcoin, I mean 2,800. Each one of those today is worth $45,000. That's $340 million. And he can't find it. He doesn't know where it is. There are other stories that are similar to this where the person has the flash drive, but they can't remember the passcode to get in it. And what you want to say is, do you know what you have? Can you see what you have? Brothers and sisters in Christ, I think sometimes we forget what we have. Jesus says to us, it is to our advantage that he leaves. And we just kind of have that go over our head. We, we just kind of say, I don't fully understand what he's talking about. But what he's telling you is that when he leaves, when he is resurrected, when he is ascended, what we have in his place is God inside of every believer who begins by doing those things, those things in our lives. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus is alive today for real. And if there is the Spirit of God that's dwelling inside of us doing these things and more, then you and I need to live our days leaning in 
Who we need to spend our days seeking out his presence. We need to live our days yielding to what the Spirit of God says to us so that our lives can be rearranged by the living God who lives inside of us and wants to build us into the kind of disciples that increasingly and joyfully embrace the patterns, the priorities, and the purpose of Jesus. This morning, I want you to know what you have. Before we finish, I also need to just kind of back up for a moment because in this passage of Scripture, it says that it is only the believer that can experience this. In fact, it says that the world cannot see this because the world does not know this. And we said that the only way in which the Spirit of God can come to dwell inside of the life of anyone is if they've received the benefits of the finished work of Jesus, what his death and resurrection accomplished in our life through the forgiveness of our sins so that we live under the grace and under the authority of God himself. If you're here this morning and the closest that you've ever come to God is a God revealed at a distance or maybe even hearing about a God in the flesh, I want you to know you can experience the God inside of a believer by receiving the finished work of Jesus, by asking him to live under his grace and under his authority for the forgiveness of your sins and the authority over your life. You can do that even as we pray in this moment. It's not a church experience. It's not a pastor experience. It is a communication with the living Jesus who is present in this place right now.